What did you eat for breakfast? I did not eat breakfast. I actually, the, I ate my first meal of the day uh, like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> wow. And, it, and it, was a, it was a salad from Panera. You are listening to the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Print Company, located in Fort Worth, Texas. You may remember I talked to Justin back in episode 5 about the merch industry and his passion for music and working with bands and artists. Do you need help with your merch? Skinny Armadillo specializes in quality apparel decoration, including screen printing, embroidery, design, digital on-demand printing, web stores, fulfillment, and more. Contact Skinny Armadillo now to find out how you can grow your merch sales, discover the current printing technologies, or to get a quote. Call 817-546-1430 or visit theskinnyarmadillo.com. That's 817-546-1430 or visit theskinnyarmadillo.com. Welcome to a special episode of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. This is episode 20, and we're celebrating the one-year anniversary of the podcast of a year since I published the first couple of episodes. And finally, I have uh, the pastrami overlord. <laughs> finally. I got I, I wrangled you in, like, threatening to show indecent photos on the internet. Yeah. So, Mr. Bruce Vermette. Hello. The legend. Yeah, well. How are you doing? <laughs> legend for the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, bud? Good, good. Thanks for having me. No problem. So, yeah, so people listening to the podcast, uh, Bruce is responsible for Killbot Zero and a number of other, uh, number of other bands. Uh, Killbot Zero's music is featured in the intro of the podcast, and we're going to hear some... Oh, you actually, you had a track on the first... The first pilot episode, which I think I put Santa Claus versus the Martians. Oh, yeah. Um, and we're going to hear another track later on at the end of the podcast. So, cool. Uh, all right. So let's get a bit of uh, history or, um, you know, t- tell us what you got going on right now. Oh, right now, I guess um, Killbot Zero is kind of dormant at the moment because Chris, the other member, is very busy with his uh, career. He's uh, he teaches recording at the local university. Uh, he has four awesome kids that he's taking care of too with his wife. And he's got, he just has a different priority set right now as opposed to what I have. I mean, but, and we, we both want to do more stuff, but it's just trying to find the time. You know, I don't have any kids, so I couldn't imagine what it's like, especially when he has four. So right. <laughs> let alone one. Well, you got um, your fur babies. But... I have my fur babies, but they lead little to no attention. You know, I can just right. leave some food and water and keep the cat boxes clean. And <laughs> that's cool then. But uh, so really, uh, aside from working 
you know, at Mr. Spots and um, keeping that ship afloat. I'm trying to do a, a solo album of synthy prog instrumental weirdness called Brucifer. Mm-hmm. That ju- that just kind of started this last couple weeks. Yes. So mm-hmm. that's what I've got my focus on right now. In my my downtime, at least. Yeah, should should be uh, should be an awesome project. Can't wait to hear and hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully contribute to it as I really yes. want to. Um, <laughs> I think we can make so, that happen. That would be awesome. So let's go back. I mean, let's let's talk about how we met. Um, sure. So we were. I remember. I it was the. So I have my. Um, so I when I was going through college, I did a bit of um, creative writing. Uh, course and I had to interview people and do some uh, creative nonfiction writing and uh, one of my essays was uh, to interview yours truly uh, no yours truly would be me uh, to interview you so and it's always I pulled you that up. it's always me but now I I, <laughs> I uh, pulled it up and um, yeah I remember it's so it's been eight and a half years that we've been uh, you know friends and uh, so yeah I'd gone to see Mike Portnoy at um, the local music store just after he left mm-hmm. uh, Dream Theater and and went on the um, right. the, the his forum and started <clears throat> yeah I've been looking at it but I never like joined and and you you were asking for help on a, on t shirts yes so, and it was uh yeah it was probably well, I don't know February or March of 2011 2010 it was February of 2011 I checked yeah. on Facebook yeah because I remember because so. I remember the show was in uh, in April or so right. of 2011 and that's when we needed to get the shirts done and I I don't know even know what compelled me to ask the forum but I think okay. I'd seen somebody else do it I think right. and I so I was like well well what could hurt you know give it a shot Absolutely. and so yeah I threw it out there and and you were kind enough to help me out. And then that's when our, our, our bromance uh, began. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I love you, man. I love you as well. Um, um, so, I mean, yeah, I just, it like Killbots music just uh, really, uh, um, it just Sucks. spoke to me no. really well. No, absolutely not. Why no, I know. Felt. I know. No, it, it, it really spoke to me just like whatever. It, it was just the right place at the right time. And I, I really love the stuff you put out. Well, thank um, you. It's complex. It's, it's interesting. Um, so, but let's, I mean, so people can hear the Killbot Zero stuff on the podcast and we'll, we'll play another, uh, you know, song a bit later on, but what are, what are some other projects you've been involved in? Cause you, you, you've got in, in Ohio, you've got kind of this collective of musicians that seem to be pretty, uh, um, you know, well involved with each other. I sure. mean, just from the outset, I don't, yeah. you know, I don't live there, but right. it just seems like you, you, you have a bunch of people that kind of hang out and do different yes. projects. You, <clears throat> there are like 10 bands popping up. Yeah. yeah so, so 10 so bands have members and, you, you know, you could take 10 bands and then in those 10 bands, there's three to five members for each band. And in those 10 bands, there are 50 or 60 bands that have sprouted out of that. Right. <clears throat> so we're all kind of sharing members and collaborating here and there. But um, I guess, let's see, I had, I had worked with owl for a while and uh, that was with my friend, Tim. Yep. And uh, and I had Who a couple I need other. To get on the podcast as well. I need to get. Tim I'm sh- I'm sure he would love to do it. Yes. Uh, he he would be a good one actually. Um, and then that was with uh, Brad, who was the who, who's a, a really great drummer mm-hmm. in his own right, but he was actually singing and playing keyboards. That's how good of a musician he is. And then we had a uh, Sam playing guitar, mm-hmm. and that had been a project that Tim and I have been working on probably as since we met. He, he and I met, and so it's been about ten years of that trying to get that off the ground. 
um so you'll be going through every band i'm uh, associated with okay absolutely Uh, i I don't know if it'll be in chronological order or not but uh so from that there was um, a band called about time that was me and tim and then a a, um of i don't know how he's like a singer songwriter uh cory breath and Mm -hmm. he is not into prog at all really i mean he is just through way of what tim and i forced him to listen to osmosis yeah, so but we tried to infuse his style with our style, and um, we had made an EP a few years back that mm-hmm. it really was a good collaboration of the two styles. And actually, we're working on another one right now. You know, we have some Ooh. songs in the uh, in the in the works that we want to try to get done in the next year or so. I would say. Uh, then there was um, Progzilla, which was Chris from Killbot and myself, and then Tim <laughs> playing bass. Mm-hmm. And then a whole buddy from high school, Tony, who played keyboards, and that was more of like a jam proggy kind of thing, like more just not so technical. I mean, it had its moments, but it was more like just jamming and and just sure. getting weird with it. Is there any recorded stuff? There isn't out there. Somewhere? We we wanted to, but we there was a there is one live video that from a, a festival we played in Tiffin. I can send you the link to it if you want if you want to hear it. But it, yeah, it, it's not it's not bad. <laughs> Right. Uh, so there was that. I know I'm going to forget somebody. Um, and then just as of, up up until recently, I was playing with the Casket Company, which mm-hmm. was a um, like a punk grunge kind of hard rock yeah. band. And um, the new I, album is really good. Oh, thank I really you. Like it. Yeah, it, it was yeah, a lot you, of fun. You, you slay on it. I mean, the songwriting's good. Yeah. Uh, you know, the art's very good too. But yeah. I, 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 well, whoever we I got to do the art deserves some, <laughs> there's some extra kudos. <laughs> right. But no, that, and that was a really fun thing too. I mean, it was, it's different than what I normally used to playing, but the mm. guys in that band were, you know, really cool and they were, they really liked me. So they let me kind of put, infuse my playing into it instead of being like where some other bands would be, we need you to play this specific thing. They kind of let me do whatever I felt and they really liked it. Thankfully, unless they hated it and didn't tell me, but I think they liked it and they went with it. So no, it that, came out great. That was a lot of fun. But um, as of, I think that might be everything right now that I can think of. I had I had a couple different cover bands I'd played in. We we did a tribute bands to uh, Metallica, and uh, we the, us. what's that? Holding Oats. Oh no, that Holding Oats was the Holding Oats tribute. Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was my Holland Oats tribute band that I wanted to get off the ground. The speed metal covers. Yeah, Holland Ass. <laughs> uh, that would have been that would have been great. <laughs> but yeah, no, this called we called it Metallica, like M E H Metallica, yep. and um, mm-hmm. we did some pretty awesome covers of classic Metallica songs. And the uh, the local place that we play at here in town called Howard's, uh, they used to have. Um, tribute shows, you know, for one band would cover an entire artist or whatever. And we chose Metallica a couple years in a row Mm -hmm. and we would, you know, kick some ass. We played better than Metallica. I'd say (laughs) (laughs) I gave Lars a run for his money. That's for sure. Right. (laughs) Was, was that the incident with the penguin? Yes. The penguin was involved. (laughs) Oh, go ahead. What what's the catchphrase? Wait. Oh, uh, I can't remember. I'm on a spot. I don't. I'm not. I, I know it when you tell me. I'll remember it. But it's like, it it'll be so it'll, awesome. It'll be awesome. We dominated. There was a penguin there and everything. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Classic. So, um, so let's go back. I mean, what? Where did you? Um, where was the the seed from drumming planted? You know, why 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 drums? What 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 prompted that? 
Well, you know, I actually started playing drum. Well, I was in the percussion in fourth grade when t- people go, people typically start learning an instrument. And I remember taking the, uh, the bell kit and the practice pad home and I didn't like it. <laughs> mm. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't much into practicing back then. I didn't, you know, I didn't have the discipline or I just wasn't interested. I, I was into sports and stuff at the time too. So I, I kind of focused more on sports. Um, but in the, uh, in my eighth grade year at junior high, uh, my mom heard on the radio, that there was a, um, a drum store that's half an hour away from here in Toledo called uh, Dave's Drum Depot. Mm-hmm. And they were having a drum solo contest. And I don't know why she this thought this was a good idea, but she's, she said, hey, let's go check this out. And I said, all right. And so she, we drove up there and we watched these guys, you know, playing crazy solos and all this weird stuff, stick tricks and double bass and all this stuff. And I was immediately hooked. And awesome. so from there, that same day, I actually, she signed me up for lessons there. Cool. And so, uh, yeah, so she would take me up once a week because I, I was only 14 at the time. And uh, I learned from some really great players up there. And I, that was when that was it. I mean, from that moment, it never went away. So I was very focused on playing. You know, I stopped playing sports as much then, uh, but the music consumed me and stuff. And then I got right into my freshman year of high school. And then the rest is like me just just obsessing over it. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And so you finished high school and you, you were, um, you were the captain or the president of the marching band. Yeah. I was the, I was the president of the marching band my senior, senior year of high school. And Mm -hmm. I was the, uh, leader of the percussion section as well. Nice. So, um, and then what you went to LA for the, uh, MIT Musicians uh, Institute. It's it's How like after that. It's like the MIT. It's like MIT, but it was called the LA Music Academy, and oh, um, right. yep. that was uh, when I was twenty. So okay. uh, yeah, I, it was supposed to be a year long program, but I graduated in six months. Right. And so I, uh, once I graduated, actually, I, I look back on it and I I'm kind of bummed because the day I was supposed to leave, I saw an audition for a cruise ship, and I kind of wanted to try. I kind of wanted to do it. I wasn't guaranteed to get it at all. I mean, I had, I had no idea if I would even make it or not, but all the guys in school, we'd always, people would talk about those kind of opportunities being like, you know, you go on a cruise ship and you play for three, four months, you make enough money that the next three or four months you don't have to work, you know, cause right. you've made all this money and you can kind of fund yourself to do what you want. And then, you know, try to get another job <clears throat> to do that again. But mm. the day of the audition was the day of the flight, and I just couldn't bail on the flight, so I just, just came back home. Right. But you know, it, it's I don't I don't it doesn't keep me up at night <laughs> or anything. Right. I, you know. Yeah, I mean. I mean, I've heard I've heard some horror stories about those kinds of music, like that sure. kind of stuff, that life and stuff. But you know, I, I've liked how things have gone thus far. Cool. We probably wouldn't have had uh, as much Killbot Zero music if, if no. we had have got that. So. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, so so you uh, let's talk about business because uh, obviously this podcast is uh, business based as well. Sure. Um, so you you manage Miss the Spots, which is a um, a Philly cheesesteak based mm-hmm. restaurant. Yes. Um, excellent um, cheesesteaks. Thank had, you. I had one. Um, what what would you say that you've taken from business that you could possibly apply to the music business? Wow. Perhaps. Wow. I don't, I'm not really sure. 
Um, I think the thing I've learned the most about working at spots is that you need to make time for yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's not something I do. It, it's something that I've learned that I need to do. You know, when you, it doesn't matter what you do, if you're consumed with it, you're going to hurt yourself in some other way. You know, if I spend as much time doing anything as much as I do working or thinking about work, another aspect of your life is going to suffer for it. And that's definitely happened to me (laughs) these last few years where I focus a lot about work. I'm thinking about work a lot. You know, I want to do a good job and take care of stuff, but like my musical free time and stuff, it's, you know, the priorities change and Mm -hmm. the time that I'd like to spend practicing or writing music, I can't necessarily do because something we're out of something or I have to go fix something or somebody calls off sick. And so I would say you taking this into any aspect of your life is just a healthy balance, you know, Mm -hmm. and and that's coming from someone that's not doing a healthy balance, but like, I'm, you know, I'm really good at giving advice, but just not taking my own advice. (laughs) I think that would kind of do that. So sure. But yeah, that'd be a big thing though. Okay, cool. Um, uh, if you, if you're learning a really technical piece, there's actually, um, a video of you doing a cover, a drum cover of, um, uh, scenes for, oh, see, what's the, what's the title Dan- again? The Dance of Eternity? Dance of Eternity. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I'm having a brain fight. That's okay. It happens a lot. I'm getting old. <laughs> um, yeah. So kill a cover of it. Um, I mean, obviously that has what? 96 different, um, time signature <laughs> changes or something ridiculous like yeah, that. Yeah. I, I never, um, I never counted them up like that, but yeah, that sounds about right. Feel. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you're preparing to learn something like that. Um, you know, what, what kind of techniques do you use to kind of like memorize it? Or, I mean, for, for us, I know that that song's probably really ingrained into our psyche anyway, sure. because we've heard it so much. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously that kind of answers half the question in that you just know the song inside and out anyway, but right. because it's so complex and there's a lot of different, I imagine patterns that you have to learn and, and work out like what, what, what's your process to break something like that down to be able to play it? Well, a song like that is more of, I would just listen to it a bunch of times and just get a feel for it, even though that song is, you know, it's so wild. Yeah. And then, you know, if, if, I might like, I think I remember listening to it a million, like a million times, mm. but when I first started to try to play it, I would maybe play the first five measures and see if I could remember it without, you know, being like listening to the drum track and then, you know, picking it back up. So it's really right. just piecing it together. And then I do also remember looking up sheet music for it and our, our drum, uh, drum tabs or notations that people would put out there too, to help kind of cheat. So, so once I got a feel for what somebody else was doing, like, okay, this person says that this measure is such and such measure. Then I was using it. I'm like, all right, now, now I was catching the feel for it. And I was, you know, being able to decipher what it was on my own. Um, Other songs are like a little bit easier because if they're all relatively straight, you know, four, four or something, it's easier to keep it, keep up or whatever. But Something like that, you can't just make a cheat sheet for. You know, that's a that's an undertaking. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think that that goes back to the cruise ship. I mean, I think um, that kind of gig. I mean, assuming it was kind of like a cover gig where you do standards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For instance, yeah, a cheat sheet would be kind of, or or you know, notations would be helpful because you know you you have your list of you know um, patterns that you already know and you just piece them together. Whereas right. That is just mind-blowing compositions but like now if i were to play dance of eternity i would you know i feel it 
as just one big song, but I would also sing it in my head. Mm-hmm. So when like when the synth come that synth run comes up and I'm playing the drums to it, I'm actually like you know I'm I'm hearing that in my head as I'm playing it. So it's mm-hmm. I'm uh, yeah I'm like singing it to myself, and I do that with other songs too. You know, especially easier songs like if it has a rhythm that you just need to catch, I'll sing right. it in my head while you're or I'll hum it to myself as I'm hitting the cymbal or whatever tom combination or whatever but sure. yeah that song is insane so <laughs> that right. one that one took some time to learn so all right switching back to uh killbot i mean mm-hmm. um you you play a lot um hometown shows but let's let's uh talk first about like what what the um the actual live show looks like and what you know you I think what you're probably going to do something similar with your solo stuff. Yes. Um, well, the, the, uh, the beginning of Killbot zero was actually, um, it was Chris on guitar, me playing drums. We had a uh, MIDI sequ- uh, sequencer playing our bass and keyboard tracks that we had panned to the right side. And then on the left channel, we had the metronome or account in for, to keep us in line with the tracks. So the right the right side would get sent out to the front of house, so that way the audience just heard what sounded like a full band. So a bass, keyboard, drums, guitar. Right. Um, that was the beginning. So when we started, it was just the two of us and an iPod. <laughs> so we would just yep. hit play on the iPod, and then you know we would get a count in and start playing. And then, um, and then we just I don't know how it came about, but we tried to figure out a way to incorporate videos to it. And so there was um, a person that I met. His name's Dustin Galish, and he he is um, he has this band in town in town too called Trino Leaves. It's pretty pretty decent, like psychedelic rock band. But he helped us take songs that were already written and sync videos to them. And you know it was like mm-hmm. cartoons, like Super Mario, the old Mario cartoon, or Godzilla, or whatever. And so he would edit a video to our tracks, and then we. <laughs> Actually, back then, we didn't have a projector or a screen, so I actually was bringing a 40- or 50-inch flat-screen TV to our shows, and I had um, a stainless steel shelving rack that we would set up. It was probably like five feet tall. I would pick the TV up and put it on top of the shelf with like um, bungee cables around the base so that way it wouldn't fall over. (laughs) And then, um, and and we actually had an Xbox. So we were, our, our whole show was on a DVD. Yep. That we would play because like I was such a noob and we didn't know anything about Macs or you know laptops and hooking it up to a TV, smart TVs and all that. Um, we were playing. We were basically turning on an Xbox to play our live show, and we had to nice. hope to God that nothing would skip. And I don't think it ever really did. It all worked out pretty well. But then you know we did a, probably four or five shows like that, and then we started. Well, actually, the the master, Ron Jarzenbeck. He, he put out the Blotted Science stuff, and then that was when we started to really change our sound a little bit. We wrote music to videos like he did. Um, you know, we kind of like almost ripped him off, I guess you could say. But mm. I mean, I mean, he was definitely a huge inspiration for me as far as it was really like it opened my eyes to so much more. Like, it was amazing. And we then made a video file, you know, and it was easier. We put we put commercials in. And so we would have this whole live show with an intro video and then the songs would play. And then in between the songs, we'd have um, Tim and Eric. I don't know if you're familiar with Tim and Eric, but 
the I, the commercials from their show we would put in because they were ridiculous and we wanted to make it more uh, just overall entertaining. Because the thing that we found, especially back when we played with just the iPod, is that people didn't know really when a song would start or end, even though there'd be a little break. Right. They would think, well, this maybe it's all one song, so they didn't know when to clap or when to be like, okay, it's over. Or so that was, you know, there were some learning curves, and we did that a little bit with the Xbox and all that stuff, but we really didn't get into our stride until we were making the full movie file with the commercials and stuff. And uh, that definitely helped differentiate ourselves from like any band around here because nobody else was really the most kind of visual aid they were using was maybe just a projector with just some psychedelic stuff going on in the background, but wasn't timed into anything and right. just, you know, kaleidoscopic like things just going on. But uh, we definitely were like, we wanted to just make it crazy <laughs> as crazy right. as possible. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, you don't see too many bands still, you know, doing big light shows or, or well i mean the the bigger bands do but the the video time to the music mm-hmm. i guess people don't you know i don't spend a ton of time on that stuff uh right. certainly like uh mr fast finger mika tiska who was on the podcast he does mm-hmm. it because he has his own cartoon which mm-hmm. obviously he's the cartoonist that did all the dream theater stuff right um you know, there's a few other people I can think of, but they're, they're few and far between. Right. So it's yeah, really like cool like concept. Primus and Les Claypool, they did the uh, yeah uh, Willy Wonka or mm-hmm. Charlie, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory stuff. Um, but that is, and I, I know there's a couple like Marco Miniman did some things yep. like that where he was playing, he was drumming to uh, Monty Python and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. not not for the length of like an hour or 45 minute set. You right. know, nothing like that, which is what yep. we were doing. And that that will be what I will be doing too. You know, something like the solo stuff will be, it'll be leaning into that too. But I'll try to make it more drum focused and and just you know try to be even weirder if I can. <laughs> sure. So did you do that? So you played um, in Detroit and you opened for uh, Gua. Right. Did you do that on stage there too? Yes. Yes, we did. You were able yeah. to. Uh, mm-hmm. How did that go down? Uh, well, it was it went well. Um, we had sold the most tickets, I guess, out of all the local support acts that were going to be there. So we were pretty much direct support for, for Guar and uh, yes. corrosion, corrosion of conformity. Yep. Um, I remember waiting outside cause I, we had never played a show like that before. So we didn't know what to expect. We were there, I think four hours early or something like that. Mm. Standing outside. It was uh, November and it was rainy and kind of cold. <sighs> so we were like, we had no idea <laughs> what we were doing. Uh, finally they let us in and the, you know, bands are setting up and stuff and everyone's got like 20 minutes to play. So we're freaking out because we got to make sure we set up a projector and our screen and get all that stuff done. But, uh, we got it set up and we played our three songs and it went over really well. I remember when, when we finally took our stuff outside and we were, I was walking back through the audience, like the crowd or whatever, get back to some friends that were there. And, um, a couple of guys actually came up and hugged me that I didn't know. Just random dudes is like, man, that was awesome you know, you blew my mind kind of stuff and just like gave me hugs. And I'm like, all right, this is, this is weird, but okay. I appreciate it. You know, I'm not, I'm not against a, a bro hug here or there, right, right. Uh, but no, it was, it, it, it made me feel good because it's like, wow, somebody out there actually appreciates mm-hmm. what you're doing and sees the value in it that you see. And it was, 
it definitely made me feel like, you know what? We're doing the right thing. <laughs> We're doing the right stuff here. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, that that went well. Cool. But we hadn't played any other big shows like that after that. that unfortunately, that was like the one of the last only big ones that we played. Well, Brucifer is going to uh, kick some ass. We hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Um, so going back to the videos, though, uh, Dustin, um, does he still edit or is he? No, he after. So much? Yeah, no. I mean, basically, I don't know. He, I don't even really know how I learned how to do it myself, but he, I think he had shown me some mm-hmm. tips and tricks and. Um, I, once I learned how to illegally download videos and, <laughs> uh, not illegally, but, you know, per- paying for them and making sure that I have all the licensing and everything. Absolutely. Uh, but no, I, I learned how to edit myself. You know, I had, uh, I got my first MacBook and, mm-hmm. um, put it into iMovie. I mean, it's not the best video program, but it does what you need it to do for, for that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And it was so- easy to, you know. To sync, uh, to sequence our MIDI with it and stuff. Sure. So, so pretty much, he's just uh, responsible for um, donning a chicken suit. Yes. <laughs> oh no, that uh, that was Justin. And the, the oh, that's tur- not the same. I thought that no, was. Oh, Dustin okay. and Justin. Yeah, no, Dustin. Oh, my bad. No, it's okay. Dustin was never in the videos, uh, but Justin, he was the he was the Turkinator, and yes. um. He uh, was awesome as the Turkinator. Yes, so, that is that is one of the highlights of, of uh, Killbot Zero. Um, I would agree. Uh, you know, I still share. I share it every year on Thanksgiving because yes. it, it it was so amazing. Actually, one of my friends shared it a couple years ago, and someone that he knew posted on his post saying, "I just wasted five minutes of my life, and I want them back." and And I I was I was touched. I that was the best. <laughs> that was the best thing I could have read. Like. I was like, this guy doesn't get it, but that's okay. And I'm just happy because he yeah. hates it so much. <laughs> I, I share it with everyone. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's I know, it's like, stupid. You must but watch it, this. Yeah, it's stupid. I won't deny it, but it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesomely no, stupid. No, it's so cool. <laughs> you know, if, if we're being on, like on a, on no budget, you know, we. Right. So if you're, you know, you're familiar with the video. So at the end, when we're eating turkey, um, yep. we went to Walmart, and I remember I walked up to the to the deli counter and I said. How much turkey can I get without you calling the police? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and the the girl the girl looked at me. She looked at me like, "What are you talking about? It's turkey. It doesn't matter how much you get." Um, but so we got a bunch of turkey. You know, we went back to Chris's houses, which is where we filmed that scene, and I was just you know double fisting turkey in my and I actually there's a spot where I I look like I'm gonna oh, throw up. Yeah. That was real. That <laughs> was that was me really like coughing because I. I was just gouging. I was just gorging myself with, uh, with cold cuts. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's such a classic. So, what's next for that for that kind of thing? What are you gonna do a uh, a holiday special for some something else? I've always wanted. Do? I've always wanted to do. But see, the thing is, to do what I want to do, you have to. I'd have to be starting right now and for do it for yep. next year. But I always wanted to redo uh, Christmas songs, like in the mm-hmm. Killbot style, with like old Christmas videos, like you know the old. Um, uh claymation like rudolph and all that stuff yeah. but like but incorporating just like you know joy to the world and all that stuff but making it really diminished and like whole tone madness and right. keeping the melody intact but then like you know just going off on a tangent so that's something i've always wanted to do but to, like i said it's such an undertaking that i'd have to start right now and do it for christmas of 2020 if i really you know what i mean like right yeah. now it'd be, it would take a year at least to do all that but oh. Maybe one of these years that's what we will do that because I know I'm pretty sure I mentioned it to Chris 
but like we both agreed that to do it, it would take take some serious time and thinking to get in get it done. You know. Well, you, you can start start a bite at a time. How do you eat an elephant? A bite at a time. That's right. <laughs> small small little bits. Exactly. Um. So yeah. Um. Um. So we've talked about Portnoy. We've talked about Marco Miniman. Um. Are there any other key? Oh, and uh, Ron Jezombek. Mm-hmm. Um, what are, are there any other key influences? Um, not just for drumming, but for music in general. Um, I really, I've really gotten into. I I think about this often. Like my top five bands, or if someone put a gun to my head and said, "What are the five bands that you know that define you?" It's hard to like really narrow it down. But I think the biggest bands that I really am drawn to would be. You know, well, obviously Dream Theater, but uh, Twelve Foot Ninja, mm-hmm. which is um, like a fusiony gent band from Australia. Yeah. You know, they do all kinds of weird stuff. Um, Haken, I love Haken, yep. and uh, Between the Buried and Me. So mm-hmm. those three bands are, as of the last ten years. You know, I've been listening to Dream Theater for twenty years, but the last ten years have really spoken to me and mm-hmm. and i actually found 12 foot ninja from mike portnoy recommending it and i remember listening watching the video the first 10 seconds and i'm like this is stupid because at the first 10 seconds it reminded me of disturbed and i'm like i just wasn't into it but for whatever reason i went back and i was like you know what mike portnoy says it's good so it's got to be good for a reason and so i gave it its full shot and i was like oh yeah, it's really good because after the first, after the heavy, the genty part, they go into a reggae or um, a funk section, and I'm like that's amazing. So like right. that kind of stuff has influenced me as, because I'd like to incorporate more stylistic changes instead of just playing just this is a metal song, but you know, incorporating all kinds of styles is always makes things more yeah. interesting. Absolutely. So, uh, what about Leprous? I saw I saw Leprous and uh, yeah Hagen together. What do you think of those guys? I, I, I love, I saw them, they opened for Between the Buried and Me, I believe, Okay. Um, last two, maybe two years ago, and they, yeah, that was the first time I saw them, they were really great. Um, yeah, Bud, Bud's an incredible drummer. Yes. He really is. Yeah, um, I, I was, I was impressed with just how tight everything was, and I was just like, uh, you know, I try to, I try to pride myself on how tight we play. But I was like, those guys, those guys do something else, you know. I mean, it was it was amazing. Yeah. Um, and going back to like stuff happening all over the place. Have you checked out Car Bomb? No. Oh, you've got to check <laughs> Car Bomb out. Okay. Holy crap. Okay. Yeah. I I can't believe we haven't talked about that. Car Bomb, huh? Yep, Where so are they from? Um, I'm actually not sure. I don't know much of the history of the band. I've just listened to a few albums, and and they're just insane it's okay. just insanity it, 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 <laughs> yeah that's what i it's like extreme extremely heavy insanity that's basically what it is well i mean uh i chris turned me on to a band i don't actually listen to their music but i do listen to them like a song or two of theirs every once in a while but it's called brain drill i don't know if you've ever heard of brain drill that sounds familiar but it I'll is absolute insanity it's like yeah. It's like imagine taking a drill and making metal music come out of it, and it's just it's you can't I can't comprehend what they're playing, but it's so fast. Right. It's literally it's like 
it's, it sounds like you turned a normal metal song and you just sped it up by a thousand. It's 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 like what my nightmare sounds like, and I love it. <laughs> so a shout out That's to Brain cool. Drill for existing. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So what? Um, I think I'll move into the big questions I ask everybody. Um, okay. What does playing music or listen? What does music in general mean to you? Ah, oh, geez. I wish I would have known you were going to ask these questions. Like I should have, uh, I should have prepared a little oh, bit better. Oh, got to but... do it on the spot. Right. So, what does music mean to me? It just, it's for me. It's it's a good way to let go of certain things. You know, I I'm high strung and uh, I stress a lot. But when and I I stress that about music a lot too. But when I play, there's something about it that I feel like I'm not, I'm not very confident in general, but when I get on stage, that's when I'm like, you know what? I know what I'm doing mm -hmm. and I do a good job at this. And so when I play music, it definitely lets me feel like you're doing, you're doing the right thing. Um, right. And when I listen to music, you know, depending on the songs, I mean, songs will trigger emotions for me. Like, you know, it'll like, for example, um, when I listen to six degrees of inner turbulence, I that all like that whole album reminds me it takes me back to high school because I was a senior in high school when it came out and the day it came out um our school had a power outage <laughs> so we got to go home early nice. and so we left school and went right to the record store and got it and I remember blasting it so every time I listen to that I I I have very fond memories of mm. leaving school and going and rocking out right. so for me music is huge and it if I'm not listening to a podcast, because I like to listen to a podcast too, um, music is on. I can't not have that on. You know, being silent is just, you know, it drives me nuts. Right. Um, but music is huge for me. It's everything. So it's it uh, it just triggers emotions. It makes me feel, you know, certain kind of ways. You know, sometimes it's sad and sometimes it's happy or something. You know what I mean? Like, But yeah. it's still good to feel those feelings. And music is like the biggest thing for me. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, did you go to see that tour? I think that's the first time yes, I saw them yes. live. So did uh, you see King's X and Satriani? Yes. Yes. That was yeah, the that... that was the first time I saw Dream Theater was on that tour. Yeah, me because too. because when they first the first album Oh, so if <laughs> if you want me to embarrass myself, I will I will absolutely embarrass myself. So I was I think I was seventeen well because i remember i was in a dream theater and then we got the live scenes from D new york dvd and so then i got metropolis around the same time so that was when i started really getting into dream theater so when i got that i went and got you know when dreaming day unite images and words everything i got everything <laughs> and i was always confused this is gonna sound so stupid but when they were playing metropolis and they were playing riffs from images and words like metropolis i was like wait that right. sounds like a rip the ripping off what are they doing so i didn't put it together that metropolis 2 was a concept album based on stuff from images and words metropolis so i felt like such a noob but uh, <laughs> once i put that together it, it was like a light bulb turning on in my head I'm like that's amazing i can't believe that they you know they put that much thought into it mm -hmm. um, but yeah i remember being like because you know mike portnoy would play some fills from metropolis sure. and being a drummer i was always thinking about that and I'm like, huh, that's weird. That's the same Philly plays in 
Metropolis. So, I mean, like I said, I sound stupid saying it, but um, it was it was an eye opening experience for me. But um, that was my first real uh, in with Dream Theater. And then we went to see them on that tour, the Six Degrees tour. And um, it was amazing when they played the whole Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence for 42 yeah. minutes. Yeah, that was great. And then did Doug came Doug came out on the stage for Lines in the Sand? Yes, he did. That was, that was amazing. <laughs> yes. I just saw uh, King's X, X play uh, as about about a year ago before we left New Hampshire. Oh, right. So, killer, killer and show. what back and back then, you know, when Mike was in the band still, we we would go to both. We would go to Detroit and we would go to Cleveland because they would alternate sets. So we would yep. see, you know, they play set A in Detroit, but they would play set B, but had some of the same, but some different. So you know, we every time that they would come around, we would always go to two shows. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, since since Mike had left, they don't do that anymore. But I'll still go see him when they come around. But I was always like pumped about seeing two different sets, and I love that kind of attention to detail. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we um, actually went, and we're both in the first edition of the um, um, the the biography. That, uh, oh what yeah, was the, I forget what the author's name was. Rich rich somebody but yeah, yeah we, I, I look back there and we're, our names are both in there so yeah we're, we're famous yep. so <laughs> yeah um, i forgot so, about that actually yeah i think that's pretty cool so what um what would you say something that's um kind of like a, a negative um experience in your life has impacted you and what have you learned from that a negative, a negative experience has in, impacted me in, in a good way or a bad way, or um, anyway. Well, if it's a negative experience, I'd say something. Maybe it's a, uh, you know, a mistake or or a, um, like a setback or something that you've learned from. Um. Well, I mean, I think I've learned a lot from how I was raised. Um, you know, my my dad passed away when I was six. And, um, you know, I had a sister, I have a sister, but, uh, she was one and Mm -hmm. we both grew up in the same house. You know, my mom tried really hard. She did her best and she was trying to do what she could with what she had, but we both went separate ways as far as how we handled things, how we grew as people, how we did all this stuff. You know, I, you know, became like a brown noser and, wanted to do really good and have all this responsibility and do things. And my sister had legal troubles and she was in jail and she's had problems, but I've always taken that experience as like, yes, it's terrible. And you don't want to hear that happening to anyone. But I I think that is a big defining moment for me as far as it made me who I am. And I've, I've thought about it on, on several occasions, like what would be, what would happen if he didn't pass away? You know, what, what, where would I be? What, what kind of person would I be? And, um, it's weird to think about, you know, Mm. I don't, who knows if I would have gone down the music route, you know, I could have been more of an athlete guy or I could have been anything else, you know? Um, and I'm not saying that I, I wouldn't give it all up to have him back, but because I would, it's, but it's just crazy to to think about how things play out and that one that moment i think about it often was like a big thing for me you know growing up i i, I was in trouble when i was younger I, I i acted out and uh i eventually kind of turned it around and like that's when i got into playing sports i had things to occupy my mind and that's why i did you know music and stuff too 
So sure. that that's a big that's a big one for me. It right. kind of made me who I am, and I, it, it like I said, it was, it was a terrible experience, but I think I grew from it, and I became a better person having de- having dealt with it. You know, and I'm sure right. a lot of people right. that listen have similar stories where you know we've all lost people, and sure. it's how you deal with it, and it's how you overcome. Right. Well, thank thank you for sharing that. Sure. Um, and on the positive side, I guess what what has been a uh, a big event or you know, positive thing that has said that you've kind of taken from that and said, Oh, I, I can do this where either, whether that be music or whether that be managing a restaurant, you know, what, what kind of pushed you forward in, in a big way? <laughs> that one, that one's a little bit harder to explain. I mean, I, I cause I'm con- I'm constantly struggling with if I'm doing a good job or not. And that's with work, you know, at Mr. Spots and that's with my music too. I, I definitely, there are definitely ebbs and flows where I'm like really high on myself. I'm thinking, man, mm-hmm. I can, I, I, there's not anything I can't do. I, I'm killing it in either place, either thing. But then, you know, some things will happen and I'm like, I shouldn't even be doing this anymore. So you could talk either work or music where I'm like, I don't want to do it. But uh, one thing that happened a few years ago, um, uh, Ron Jarzenbeck was doing a AMA on Reddit and he name dropped Killbot Zero. As uh, the question that was asked to him was, "What are some bands that you listen to or that you're into right now?" And he said something to the effect of, "Well, I'm not really into anything too much, but there are these guys in this band in Ohio called Killbot Zero that are doing some, making some really interesting music." And I was, I'm really am not a big Reddit person, but a friend of mine who was was like the moderator, and they sent it to me, and then that's when I was like, "I can't believe that." someone right. that I admire and respect is bringing us up, you know, mm-hmm. they had, they didn't have to do that, you know? So the fact that he took it, the time to even mention us means to, that we're doing something right. And so that I, especially when I'm feeling particularly shitty about myself, I, I uh, think back to that and it's like, dude, he, he said, you're doing a good job. I mean, and he and I, uh, Ron Jarzenbeck and I, we've emailed it back and forth a couple of times and we, you know, we've communicated and, you know, I've asked some questions. He's been nothing but helpful. And, but it's like, makes me feel really good. Um, awesome. Yeah, that that was a huge moment for me. But I mean, I, you know, there have been lots of things. The thing playing at Guar, you know, up until we actually played, it was kind of a mess. But when we actually right. played and he got off stage, that reaction to that we had, we played in front of like, I think it was 1,500 people or something like that. Wow. And that was, that was big for us. And the reaction from the people that talked to us was huge. And so it's like I'm constantly getting good feedback, which you know, which obviously you want. <laughs> I'm not like, hey, right. tell me what's bad about what I'm doing, but right. I don't get it very often. And so that, you know, when I when people when we play, there's always somebody that comes up and says, "Man, that was amazing! I can't believe you guys do that. I don't understand what you're doing." <laughs> uh, and it, 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 I'm not good at taking compliments, but I'm, yeah. I try to. Uh, I try to. I've, I've gotten better at it. I, in the beginning, when people would come up and compliment me, I'd always be like, "No, no, no, you didn't hear. I messed up that one part, and I did that wrong. Right. And you don't know what you're talking about." And, <laughs> or I'd be like, "I'm fat. You don't understand." <laughs> like, <laughs> look at me. I'm a moron. Um, but self-deprecation has always been my my defense mechanism. I think for compliments and stuff. But sure. But the fact that I'm getting that we that we got these compliments and stuff and that people really don't have much negative to say at least not to our faces <laughs> it, it it's it's reassuring and it keeps me like all right well obviously we're doing something right and it, you know it's it's definitely motivating 
Yeah. So I, I think, I mean, go ahead. No, oh, I was going to say, I mean, like I had, uh, I, when this whole Brucifer thing started a few weeks ago, I put something on Facebook to see if any, you know, the gauge interest from friends and see like, Hey, would you buy a CD if I made it all a solo thing? And, Take my money. Right. Yeah. A lot of people were, sm- I mean, I knew some people would, would be supportive, but the amount of people that were supportive was kind of shocking to me. And I actually still, I've gotten a couple uh, people who I ran into who weren't, who didn't post on that Facebook message or whatever, but they said, Hey, I would totally buy a CD or buy a shirt. Right. If that's something you're going to do, I, I want to know what you do. So that was very touching. Yeah. No, it, I, you, you know, I, I've known you for a long time and I, and I think uh, you, you definitely uh, need to um, be more open to, to listening to the compliments. Um, yeah. <laughs> one, one thing that Tim Ferriss uh, has uh, said is, um, like he, he had an old girlfriend that told him, you know, when, when you're feeling crappy about yourself, what you, every time you do like a li- even a little win, you, you write it down on a piece of paper and put it in this jar. And she made this jar for him. It was like Tim's jar of awesomeness or something, you know, she decorated it, but it, it's a really right. good concept of recording all your wins. So like the gua, like the two guys, you know, giving you a hug out of nowhere, right. and, you know, write that down, put it in a jar and then you know, Ron Jazombeck's emails and, and the, what he said on Reddit and all this stuff. And you put it in the jar and then, you, you know, you've had them in a really bad day. You just take the jar down and you read a couple of pieces of paper and it makes you feel better because it's stuff you've done. You know, it's right. all very well to have these albums here and you got to feel proud of what you've done, but having the extra step of writing stuff down and recording things that go well, just so, and I think, you know, obviously the podcast is all about depression and anxiety as well as entrepreneurship. And um, I think that is for, for people like us who do have a very self-critical, um, you know, kind of way about ourselves. We need to really have our wins written down and really focus on them a lot to 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 counteract that negative uh you know, negative, uh, mentality, I think sometimes. Yeah, um, you're right. You're right. When you're right, yeah. you're right. <laughs> so where can people find, you know, Killbot Zero stuff and all the, all the other stuff you've been involved in and, and reach out to you maybe? Where, where do Jeez. you live? Um, well, uh, you can find, um, Killbot Zero. I think we have our best of album on uh, Bandcamp. I think it might we might have stuff on iTunes. I I I know we were messing around with CD Baby a while back, and that helped get us on the like on the online stuff. But I know for sure um, if you go to Bandcamp.com/slash/Killbot-Zero, and that's K-I-L-L-B-O-T-Z-E-R-O, um, you should be able to find that. And You're then, definitely um, on Spotify. I can attest to that because I've okay, cool. I've, <laughs> I've on streamed Spotify. that many times. Yep. All right. Um, and then, uh, you can hear the, um, my drumming on uh, the Cassidy company full circle. Um, I don't know all of the, um, the links off the top of my head, but I know that if you just search the Cassidy company, you'll find it. Um, you know, the, like they're on Facebook, they're on Spotify, they're mm-hmm. on all of that, all that stuff. Um, so if you're interested in that, that would be awesome as well. Uh, the, my solo Brucifer things don't have any websites, um yet but they will be uh coming soon <laughs> i should have done that before so we could plug them <laughs> oh no it'll it'll come and i'll I'll, yeah. a- I'll update everything um okay 
and and yeah, the page will live um, on my website, and um, I will absolutely have the links to uh, the 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 Turkinator video and the oh yeah, Santa Claus conquers the Martians. You do yeah yeah. I mean, you're on uh, YouTube as well. Yes. Um, so I'll have all those links there. Uh, I guess if anybody wants to search me out on Facebook, you know, you can just type in my name, Bruce Vermette. Um, if you if there are questions or complaints or concerns <laughs> feel free to reach out i'm i'm here for anyone that wants to talk or whatever so um you know and if you're friends with simon then you should be able to find me relatively easily yes i do like to post your stuff regularly thank you um because i think it's awesome well i that's i see this is what keeps me going people like you you're you're, you're putting fuel in the engine there you go even though you're supposed to put it in the gas can <laughs> uh, right Oh well, I'm good with cars somehow. Um, so what I like to do is uh, play a a track from the featured artist every every episode. So uh, what can we what can we play this time around? This is um, a song we did. Gosh, coming up on seven years ago, but uh, we had we we took out all the we took the the '80s version of Tron, edited it down to I think a ten minute video, and we wrote music to it. Um, this is what people, people have told us this is one of our best songs. And I would, I would agree because Chris had a lot to do with the writing of this song and he's a way better songwriter than I am, but it's called uh, digitization. Mm-hmm. And, um, I believe on the Killbot zero Facebook page, there is a link to the, um, the audio and the video. So if you want to see them both together, uh, that is definitely possible, <laughs> but it's, it's awesome. a, it's a good song. All right. Well, thank you so much for finally coming on the podcast and celebrating. We didn't really talk about the one year anniversary, but it's, it's a year since I started this podcast and, uh, thank you. I I wanted to get you on a podcast way before I even thought about this version. (laughs) I mean, I've been trying to, I had a couple of versions of things I wanted to do to kind of like shout out to other bands and. You know, we, we had an idea where we just shoot the ship for, for, for 30 minutes every week sure. on, mm-hmm. on new bands. But yeah, this this turned out to be the thing. So I finally got you. Uh, <laughs> I finally tracked you down and, and forced yeah, it's, you to it's, come on. Sometimes I need to get, you know, sometimes you have to get that box with the stick on it and then just pull the yep. stick away and trap me. And I'm like, here, talk. <laughs> absolutely. And yeah, actually, no, this has been, been a lot of fun. Absolutely. It's been it's been just over a year since we met for the first time since I uh drove yes. down to um yeah, drove down here to Dallas from New Hampshire and uh, stopped on It's the been way a year to, since you moved down? It's been actually it was July, end of July so it's been a year and 3 months. Gee, so I guess how are you liking Dallas now versus uh, your old New Hampshire days? I love the fact that there's no snow. Yeah. Oh, that's Absolutely great. Absolutely love that. Um I don't know. I I don't feel uh I, I prefer being by the ocean because I mm-hmm. grew up on the south of England mm-hmm. and uh, you know the 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 ocean gives me a little more peace sure. for some reason. No, sometimes I understand. I, I'm I'm right there with you. Like yeah, I've seen videos or whatever people by the ocean. It's like oh, I want to go yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, I, sl- I sometimes I sleep at night with uh, like ocean wave sounds just <laughs> just as a background noise. Sure. Um, but no, in but general, the general, the music scene the music scene's great. I mean, it's yeah. It's, I haven't seen many snakes at all. Seen some big bugs, <laughs> uh-huh. but in general, I mean, it's, is the it's is good. your area have some good music venues and stuff that you can go check out? Or I would say honestly, th- this this floored me. Um, I get I have to to miss 
more shows down here than I did in New Hampshire. Uh-huh. And and there we had Boston, we had the Worcester Palladium. There's mm-hmm. a number of New Hampshire venues that, that people go through. And then you can even go down to, I, I've, I've done a trek down to like Rhode Island, I think once. Just, there's so many venues up there, but I, I seem that, I don't know if it's just this last year has been so good for bands tours. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm always disappointed. Like crap, I've got some. I can't go to that one. Or um, I just they, seem do to the be bigger going... bands come through? Are they pretty close to like where you live? Whereas um, like for me, I have to drive two hours to get to Cleveland if I want to see like a big band. But it depends. There's so there's uh, one venue in a guitar store in uh, about an hour and a half away that they do clinics at. And okay. Aristocrats played. Oh, that's cool. And I was I was still in Puerto Rico. Uh, Puerto Rico. Oh man. It was like the day we landed, so I couldn't go to see that, but it got sold out really quickly. Sure. Um, but generally Dallas is the main I'm about an hour from Dallas. And okay. so you got like the House of Blues and you got yeah. a bunch of other places. That's totally manageable though. Yeah, an hour is manageable. Some some tours go through Fort Worth, but not as many because Dallas is a bigger city. Um generally uh I go to see stuff at the Gas Monkey uh Bar and Grill, which is a, a really cool venue. Yeah. I've I've how I'm far away? Almost every would month. you have any idea how far away San Antonio is from you? Because that's where Ron is. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, he lives San in San Antonio. San Antonio from from Dallas Fort Worth. I want to say it's. Uh, I'm totally guessing. I want to say it's four hours. But where oh. where in? Do you know which direction it is from Dallas Fort Worth? I want to say it's west. Then I have no idea. Southwest. I don't know. I I sound I probably sound totally ignorant, and it's probably like to the east of you. But I'm I want to say it's on the western side of the state. I'm um, I'm clueless. I you know cut I, this I, out, then. I guess you don't want your people to think we're just stupid. <laughs> you want me to cut this out? No, this is great conversation. Oh no, you can leave it in. Whatever you want to leave in, I don't care. I sound I sound um, ridiculous, so it's fine. It's probably someone will say you dumbass. They're like it's, you it's idiots. Right here. It's in the yeah. state, I know that, but the state is massive, so I haven't, right. I haven't got, I put it this way, I haven't gotten used to the absolute size of the state, but like living in in New Hampshire and working in Mass was an hour, you know, commute every day, and it right. was wow, that's such a mammoth drive, and then I do two thousand miles to move here, and now it's like, eh, three hours to Austin's no big deal, right? Whatever, <laughs> it it's like, matter. it's just. Yeah, you just and I'm the worst some... at that though. I'm the worst at long trips. I there are people that can attest to how bad I am at long distance driving. I will, I don't know what what it is about driving, but I become immediately narcoleptic when I start driving. Like I start like hmm, dozing off a little bit. And oh, I know, I know what it is. It's the fact that you know you're having flashbacks at, um, you know, running into a turkey. That's true. <laughs> I I just don't want to relive that nightmare. <laughs> right. uh, so all right, so um. Okay, without further ado, this is uh, digitization from the amazing band Killbot Zero. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. All right. I love you, man. Love you. Is this, that's the end? Yep. This that's is how it end. ends? That's okay. how it ends. We can stop recording I, I mean. Now.